And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Look, there's a lot of different ways to direct people to the things that you want them to see. And there's a lot of ways to get people off track and not viewing the ways the, the things that you want them to see. With that, I'm going to have a conversation today with Linktree CTO, Zach Islam. And now if you're not familiar with Linktree, you should probably just go to Instagram because it seems like everyone's got a Linktree link in their profile. We're going to get more into that. Now, before we get too far into it, I'm going to let everyone know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's my company, and I'd love to help you build a team. Go to Fullscale.io and go to the Get Started page, answer a couple questions, and I'll be able to tell you pretty quickly if we can help you. Now, as mentioned with me today is Zach Islam and Zach is the CTO of Linktree and that's consumer technology platform. If you're not familiar with it, you can go to linktr.ee and learn more about what they do. There's a link for that in the show notes straight out of Sydney, but from a company located in Melbourne, Australia, Zach, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, it's so good to be here. I'm uh, I'm excited to chat about all things startup. Yeah, I am too. And then, you know, like I always enjoy talking to guests that have that build stuff that I use. So, you know, happy with that. And, you know, with that, let's start our conversation with a little bit about your backstory, but also about the backstory of where Linktree even came from. Excited to excited to dig in. So let let me um, let me be selfish and start with myself, if you don't mind. So please, um, no, go I for actually, it. I love it. I joined Linktree in October, and it was you know it is one of the hottest startups um, in, in in Australia and probably across the globe at the moment. You know we're six years into our journey. We've got twenty million users. We've just surpassed a billion views, and you know those two numbers combined. That's exciting for any technologist out there. So, you know, I've been watching the growth from the sidelines for a while um, and, you know, helping quite a few startups in the in the Sydney and in the Australia uh, region. And uh, Linktree absolutely caught my attention. So um, prior to prior to Linktree, I spent about three years at Atlassian running a large part of the product portfolio. And prior to that, I uh, spent about six and a half years in Amazon uh, running some of the largest AWS services. So, and, you know, bringing all that to Linktree has been, uh, it's it's just been fun so far. So you, you don't sound like you're from Australia. Did, are you, uh, are you new to the country as well? And I just say that because I speak to people from down under quite a bit and I can usually tell because they are, they're very free with calling me mate amongst other things. So. It, it might slip in, Matt. Um, you know, Matt and mate aren't too, too far, <laughs> but uh, I actually, 
moved to Australia about three years ago. Home for me is uh, is Canada. So um, okay. you might hear an A or a, a boot. So or I was going to say, we'll say A. And, and if I don't do well, you might call me a hoser or something like that. So be prepared, you, you, people. You never know. Yeah. You got it. You're, you're going to get a mix and match of regional, um, you know, uh, regional profanity thrown at you. Well, I'm, I'm from Kansas, so uh, I try not to say y'all. And my wife gives me a hard time because she says that I don't know how to say 10, which I often say 10, according to her. So anyway, all right. So, you know, you join Linktree and, and you know, there, we have a fascination on Startup Hustle with things that operate, that have like a level of simplicity, but solve some complex issues. And that's what I really like about Linktree. And, you know, we, I, we use it at Startup Hustle. And, you know, so with that, and the, the founder and the business story, like, was this originally created to solve the issue on Instagram where you only get one profile link? Or was there a broader story with that? You know, that's, um, that's probably the best way to, you know, th there, there are so many variations of the story, Matt, but, you know, you are actually highlighting a real problem that exists for creators out there. Yeah. Creators, you know, you're, at the end of the day, success for you is monetizing your audience, is to convert your audience into paying customers to, to whatever, you know, um, degree of success you measure by, but really what was happening in you know circa 2015 was you can only put one link in in Instagram and that continues to be the case today in Facebook same story and you know that link better be the most powerful link that you put in there the challenge is around that time what you had was a lot of services that were doing redirection behind the scenes and the reputation of some of those services were not always great so as a user you weren't quite sure that you were going to click something. And let's be honest, the internet isn't the healthiest place sometimes. You can end up somewhere that is terrible. Infect your computer and off you go. So the vision behind Linktree was, look, this is, a, this is one of the most trusted links on the internet. And when you click on this link, you know you're going to land on something that's meaningful, that's high value, and the content is curated by the creator, by the user. And that's really the problem that Alex, Anthony, and Nikki were, were aiming to solve. And, you know, it was, it was one of those funny stories now six years later where um, it was an overnight success. But Matt, you and I both know there's no such thing as overnight success. It's a lot of work and a lot of thought that went into this. And it looks like an overnight success where the site was released. It crashed because of the number of users that came on board and it's been you know, an iterative process to get it to where it is now. So really it's to help. It's simple. It is as simple as a platform can be, but the power behind the simplicity, that's what fascinates me. Yeah. And then, and, you know, I, like I said, I've always had that appreciation. So if you're not familiar with Linktree or the concept of it, I'll give you, I'll give you a real, a real world problem that these guys solve. Well, first off, we already said you get one link in a profile on Instagram. So um, if you, for example, if your startup hustle or something else where you, you take a podcast, for example, so people consume podcasts in about like literally hundreds of different places, but maybe like five or six um, actual places. So, you know, if you're just driving Android users to the Apple podcast app, you're getting hollow and not 
Well, not fulfilling landing page experiences. So, you know, to be able to direct people into a number of different places to where they want. So like we've used it for, hey, find us here on Apple Podcasts. Here's our YouTube channel. Uh, buy Matt's books. By the way, if you want to do that, you can also just go to Amazon. Uh, but, you know, with that, it's like where you direct people. So the world of, of cost per click ads as well. Uh, means like you don't want to be buying ads that are directing people to the wrong places. And, and we've used it for a number of different things. We've put a Facebook pixel in it so we can remarket to people that hit the, the, the link tree and a whole lot of different stuff. And I, you know, I've watched you guys evolve this and originally saw it myself on Instagram, but now see an adoption across like all social media and congratulations on, on that, by the way. And that's, uh, oh, thank you. you know, that's, you know, yeah. So, I mean, these are, so these are like the real world application and, and it really is. It's a challenge to where to direct people to find the things that you want in a way that is, like you said, a trusted and valuable experience. So, I mean, that's that's a key thing. So, as the CTO of a company, you said you mentioned having like twenty million users, and um, you know, hey, folks, even simple solutions are complex in nature, and they and when they get mass adoption, they require a lot of a lot of you know, consideration of stuff. So what are some, what are some of the interesting, maybe even if they're humorous or whatever types of problems that you've had to address? Now we, I encourage you uh, to, to uh, share wins or losses, whatever you find to be the most interesting. Of course. Um, you know, man, I'll maybe split this across a couple of different pillars, maybe starting with people and then I'll shift to technology and then um, maybe some of the process stuff. Yep, absolutely using the you know people process technology uh, pillars here. But let me start with the people side of things. And you know, when you are scaling an organization as fast as Linktree, one of the things that you have to look at is, hey, do the people that we have today, can they help us get to the next next level? Right. And what that means is, can we, you know, the individuals that are excited by the grind, they they just simply want to push out code, the product managers that are excited by getting into new markets. The challenge is that there's a personality type that can get you from zero to 10. And in my experience, there's a very different personality type that you need to get yourself from 10 to 500 and then 500 and, and you know, to 1,000 and, and so on and so forth. So on the people side, it's really about up-leveling the team, coaching the team, mentoring the team, getting them up to the point where the skills, the capabilities of each individual matches relatively well to the job we're asking them to do. And then imagine that every single person on the team is, has the biggest job of their life. That's a hard place. You know, that's a hard place to be in when you are when you are learning as you're going. So right now what we're trying to do is as we are, as the platform is growing, as the customer base is growing, we're trying to bring in senior level leadership to really complement some of the, you know, the 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 really it, it, the folks that are excited by the hustle. So that's on the people side, really up leveling the maturity of the organization. The technology side is fun. And this is probably where, you know, it's going to make a lot of people cringe, right? And the the thing about startups is often when you are writing your code, often when you are trying to just get it out, you are literally doing that. 
there is very, you know, sometimes you don't have time to put that integration test. Sometimes you don't have time to put that unit test in, but you know, why? Because you have a competitor that's knocking on your door saying, hey, I'm going to come for your 20 million users. And so you have to be scrappy, you have to be nimble, and you have to hustle. So now what that means is you can get your product to market, but then you've got to look back and say, oh, well, who's going to pay the piper? And uh, right now, that's actually the, 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 you know, I wouldn't say struggle, but that's excitement that I have. That's what's getting me out of bed every morning is finding that balance between where do we accept some of that, I'll say it, technical debt, where do we accept it? And where, what are some of the areas where we look back and say, you know what? Nope, we moved way too fast there. And we've got to go back and fix some of those, some of those areas. And for example, um, you know, as we are getting bigger and we're moving into lots of different regions, now one of the things is, you know, the policies and we uh, policies really start to impact us. You know, things like GDPR is not an exciting topic. And I bet you a whole bunch of listeners just started to snore as soon as I said GDPR. But no, they got they got angry. They got angry (laughs) because if they if they're compliant, they they went through a world of of, oh, man, it's probably there's like phases to the process of going through GDPR that kind of resemble grief. Exactly. And it's yeah. not one like, of those like coping, anger, blaming, a whole lot of things. Yeah. No one yeah. Um, so uh, I'm man, I'm still in denial. So let's just put it. Yeah. yeah. But, there you go. Um, yeah. You know, when you're looking at GDPR as an example, it's not an area where you can be scrappy. And that's a new mindset for the organization. You've got to be you have to be thoughtful, you have to design it out. And there's a lot of areas, especially when you're moving fast in the fast to get a product out to the market that you have to touch. So that's actually some of the challenges that we're facing. And and I don't think it's any different to any other organization that's going through scaling challenges as they are growing. And there is there, you know, the it's, I guess, you know, in a way, and I say this humbly, is it's the cost of success sometimes is, you know, is, is what we're paying for now. And then really on the strategy side or on the process side, our biggest challenge at the moment, and the thing that keeps me up at night, Matt, to be very honest, is making sure that our teams understand the strategy. At, you know, we have grown from 50 people to about 200 people in over a year. That, that is hyper growth. I, I, if that's not hyper growth, I don't know what else, what is what is you know hyper growth for a, a startup transitioning to a scale up. And in that environment, connecting the connecting your strategy to the folks that are actually on the ground, you know, talking to customers, deploying the code, writing the code, um, our marketers who are getting the message out to our customers, that becomes ever more critical. So you know, process is often an ugly word, but really what I mean is creating that connection all the way from strategy to operations. So um, a bit wordy, but that's what I'm working on, man. Uh, if you're not worried, you're not, you're not, you're not trying. I mean, that's, there's a couple of things to unpack there. So GDPR is, I'm just going to not even get into this too far, but that has to do with privacy controls and it's European. And there are some very strict 
rules, penalties, and things that you may have to deal with if you are compliant. Um, you know, a couple other things with that is, uh, you know, and you beat me to it, but the term technical debt. So um, I've learned in my many years of entrepreneurship that there's no such thing as a business without problems and there's no such thing as software without bugs. So you, you run into these things and technical debt is uh, the things that you either don't do right the first time through or the things you ignore in order to get things out faster. Now, the accumulation of technical debt Eventually, you do have to pay that back in many ways. And, you know, I experienced this myself two years into uh, Gigabook and having built that. And uh, literally, I was, you know, the, the guy that was one of our co-founders said, hey, man, you're trying to build a platform here. You need to know that's not really what we're doing right now. And that's the first time I learned the really true difference between procedural coding and, and VC. And, you know, and it was like, I, and, and I said, well, well, tell me why. He said, well, you know how sometimes when we go to fix something or improve something and we break three other things, that's why. And I was like, oh, so I, I mean, I literally had to write some pretty big checks to recode everything. Now, this is normal. And why is it normal? It's because you don't know these things until you know them. And, and you know, like a, a lot of times when you're building software and you're building a platform and you're building a tech company, you think you have it planned out. And then your users uh, or the market or your competitors tell you otherwise, which means you have to pivot, you have to add something in. And, you know, for those of you that have been following our 52 part series about how to start a tech company, you've heard us talk about how it's not another layer isn't just that much harder. It's exponential. Every time you add stuff on top. So things that start simple become really complex. And like in your case with 20 million people, I can't even imagine like what that's like because you have to approach every update, every, every time you push code live, like all of it is dramatically different than like if you're in beta, you know, and like where if you break it or mess it up, you're not like literally ruining someone's business. And, I, you know, with Gigabook, we have all these users that, that depend on it for scheduling. And, and I'll tell you what, in the times in the past when it's broken, they tell us before we've even figured it out. Cause the moment that occurs, the phone's ringing, the email's coming in, they're like, you know, and, and at the same time, there, it, 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 while you don't want or wish for that, it's validating because you know how many people are depending on what you've built to solve the problems at their business. So, but with that, there comes a lot of pressure. Now, I have a question. I think you're right about the, the, the people side of things. What do you think the biggest difference is? You mentioned there's people that can get you from zero to 10 and some that gets you from 10 to 500. Um, and I know this is too general to really be answerable in a, in a highly accurate way, but what do you think some of the bigger things are? Like, what are some of the differences between the 10 to the hundred to 500 or, you know, that person to, as opposed to the, you know, the zero to yeah. 10 people? You know, I, if Matt, I, I know, you know, there is no perfect answer to this. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll try and answer this through my observations. You know, I, I work with, hundreds of founders in the, in the last couple of years and the folks that can get, get a company from zero to zero to 10, you know, zero customers to your first 10 paying customers. Often those individuals, those founders 
they they are so purpose driven. They have this idea that they want to get to the they the their understanding of the problem that customers face is so deep, and they, the the reaction to the the problem they see out there is so visceral that you know it's it's hard to create that. I think you have to have a deep connection to the problem to to the solution that you're wanting to take to market. And I don't think you know you, it comes through experience. It comes through working directly in a, in a in a in a particular area. When I look at myself, though, you know, I think I have I've encountered problems, but really, one of the encounters problems that I'm incredibly passionate about solving. But every time I've said, "Hey, maybe I should quit my quit my job today and go do that." You know, the first thing that goes through my head is, oh, no, hey, what's going to happen to, you know, how do I support, how do I keep that stability that I'm so, so used to? And I think, you know, drawing it from personal experience, I would say the folks that are that can get a company from zero to 10, their risk tolerance for, for, for challenges, for success, for failure is so much higher than, than it is for somebody like myself. Now, the folks that can get you from, you know, hundred to five hundred, five hundred to to ten thousand. You know, I that I I'm very much a systems thinker. You know, I I need to be incredibly linear. From you know, my A has to connect to B, my B has to connect to C, and I've worked with founders who can go from A to Z or A to Z, depending on where 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 your users you know listeners are. Um, right. All the way, you know, without without skipping a beat. And I think it's the difference in personality, you know, and I think you need a mix of both as you're scaling. But in the early days, I would say you need the visionaries. You need the folks that can operate without bounds. But as you scale, you need to start bringing those systems thinkers that can help you, you know, scale a bit more effectively. But if you don't mind, I actually want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about, if it's okay to talk, bring back. Yeah, go for uh, it bring back this idea of, uh, of, of technical debt, you know, over, over the years, I've seen so many engineers come to me and say, Zach, I can do this better. If you just give me six months, I can rebuild this thing that processes 10 million requests per second. I can do it better. And um, along the way, man, I learned this new term that uh, I'm shameful that I didn't know this before, which was you end up building a second system. You have, you know, second system syndrome, which is, you know, you don't appreciate the, the, the innovation and the complexity of the, of the system that was, that's in place. You see it from the outside and you're like, yeah, I can totally do this. But what you don't realize is in the 10, 15 years that some of these solutions have been in production. To get that one millisecond, to get that one second performance gain, it took an engineer, you know, hundreds of hours to tweak the code, tweak the packets, change the, change the configurations. You cannot replicate that in six months. If you can, I really want to hire you. But generally <laughs> speaking, most of the population can't. And really, you know, I, I, I worry about that quite a bit. When I, when I hear that kind of approach. So, you know, what I preach about, and I'll say it, I'll, I preach about this quite a bit, is, you know, thinking in a transitionary architecture uh, model. And what that means is have a North Star. You know, when you're looking at a system, absolutely have a North Star. Have, you know, and that's going to guide you to where you want to go, eventually where you want to land. And what I can tell you, and I can tell you this unanimously across all the jobs I've had, 
I've more often than not stopped about 80% of the way there. And I've said, you know what? It's good enough. And good enough has scaled some of the services that I've touched in my career at from, you know, 5 million requests per second to some of them, you know, I'm, I'm not working on them anymore, but I, I see the publications. They're now processing 50 plus million requests per second. And, you know, that the result of that is because we thought, you know, we, we kept things simple. You know, we appreciated what came before. We respected what came before and, you know, used a trans, you know, we were uh, iterative in the way that we evolved our systems. So I'll, I'll stop preaching now, but I, I really wanted to get that, um, you know, get that out there. Well, I, I, believe it or not, I have a couple more comments and that's why we have conversations here on Startup Hustle. Now, before I, I, I get into that, I want to remind everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Once again, that's my company and I help people build software teams to hopefully not over-engineer a product. Now, now you know, you're right. Like, So you mentioned that like North Star and this is just me what I found working with, you know, partnerships with lots of different tech companies doing lots of different stuff and, you know, talking to founders, knowing someone, being one myself. So you mentioned that North Star and you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, this is good. This is great. Does it need to be gold plated is what I always say. Cause I find that, you know, we can, you can get kind of uh, obsessed with gold plating things, meaning like not everything deserves or needs or warrants it. And then, you know, when you're building a company, especially a tech company, you have to, you know, you got to make business decisions along the way too. And like the question that I always ask is, is this going to bring us more users or keep more of the ones we have. And if the answer is maybe or no to that, then it's probably not that important. Now, obviously, if you're crashing or something's occurring, that's not going to keep your users happy with what you're doing. So that's, you know, things that need to be fixed. But I watch people drive themselves nuts and I have conversations like all day, every day outside of this podcast with people that need tech solutions. And, you know, so I've run into a lot of the things that people are, are driving themselves nuts over and, you know, you don't always need to do it. And and when it comes to, when I hear a software engineer tell me something needs to be rebuilt, I, I always stop and ask myself, I'm like, okay, do you understand how the other system works? Because I find a lot of times engineers don't, and that's why they want to rebuild it. And, you know, so you got to be careful with that because you can end up like you just end up rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. And in the end, all you've done is, is gold plate and rebuilt the same things. And you're not necessarily moving forward on a lot of stuff. And then, you know, another thing with technical data is it's guaranteed on all software. It's not a unique thing to any particular business because, you know, you mentioned working for Amazon, AWS makes server upgrades. Chrome doesn't call you and tell you when they're going to change something that might break your user interface. Uh, You just have a whole lot of different things and factors that are out there that are going to depreciate your asset and, and add technical data onto the side. So, you know, like it, it, and, and, you know, with that, I also want to let, let people know, and I talk about this a lot on my shows, is as I've gotten older, my appreciation for all 
forms of simplicity is skyrocketing, Zach. Like it is trading at an all-time high pretty much every single day. And I say this a lot, like as a business, if you can't be brilliant on the basics, you have no business doing the other stuff down the line. So you got to get, you get good at the simple things. And honestly, that really will help you appreciate simplicity, you know, like basic math and science behind supply chain dynamics and all of it say the more steps involved with anything, the exponentially lower rate you're going to get with increasing stuff. And that's why I love solutions like Linktree. It's like, get in. It's like Twitter is famous for their, their onboarding. Like it's like 10 seconds. And you're in and you could send a tweet. Now, is your profile pretty? Does it have an NFT in it like mine? No, but who cares? You're in, you're in and that's what matters. And like, you guys do the same thing at Linktree. And like, I don't even, I'm going to get off on a tangent about how onboarding is the future of software if I don't start, but it is because if people are getting lost on the way in, they're never going to get in. Uh, The world is getting simpler, is getting more straightforward, and there's a lot to be continued with that. So I'm going to move this forward to another topic, or we'll talk about technical data and engineer flaws and all that because it's just human nature. I appreciate, I I agree with you on the the difference in people. Um, You know, the the need for systems in a scaling company, that's something I'm going through because, you know, we, we went from zero employees to one year later having a hundred, four years later, we have 230 and it's just growing. And like, and what works at employee 20, it probably won't at employee 220. So I got a lot of appreciation for that. Now, one of the things that, uh, and I, t- in my book, million dollar bedroom, I talk about, uh, so you guys were, Linktree was one of the first companies to kind of do what you're doing. And with that, that shoots a signal flare up in the air that says, hey, mm-hmm. look at me. We're doing something. People are adopting it, which guarantees you end up with a ton of, of competitors, knockoffs and stuff like that. I've noticed a couple of them along the way trying to do what you're doing. How do you approach that? And what's your advice for other entrepreneurs or software companies when it comes to dealing with your competition? I I'm so glad you took the conversation here. You know, when I when I work with startups, there is every any time I engage with a founder, Matt, I, I ask two questions. What's your value prop? You know, what are you proposing? What's the value you're bringing to your customer? And number two, what's your differentiator? How are you going to do it differently than anybody else out there? And that's that conversation usually engages the founders pretty well because a lot of founders don't have that product management background where you know they've built products, shipped them, and failed. They've shipped a couple of things that have failed, and you know uh, many of them have, have been successful. But going, you know, I'll stop with the theory for a second. But really, the value that we're bringing to to creators is their ability to curate their persona, create that page that talks to their audience the way that the content creator wants to talk to your audience. And it's not driven by an algorithm. You own that page. We're not putting ads on your page. You own everything that's on that page. And what we are trying to do behind the scenes is make that as simple as possible. And what we want to do and the way that we want to differentiate is getting you know, getting, uh, enabling our creators to monetize their audience as fast as possible. And that happens 
through trust, right? Because when you see that Linktree link on, on Instagram, you know you're not going to end up in, in, a, in a malware site. You know that you're going to end up in a, in a, in a site where you have control of what you click and the user on the other end of that site is actually curating what you get to look at. It's not, it's not an algorithm that's going to say, hey, here's the latest news about this person. It's, hey, I care about this and I want my audience to care about this. So, you know, I think that's the value prop is simplicity and, you know, capture in the giving, giving our creators the ability to capture their audience in the most simple, simple way. And the differentiation is, I think, you know, obviously we have brand recognition now that is, incre- you could argue it's not a, it's not a defensible mode, but it is incredibly hard to beat. But really, what well, it's we're trying to do is, it's defensible because yeah. you've got a virus. You've got there's a level of virality that yeah. with a product similar to yours, where I mean, it's kind of, it begins to advertise itself because you see someone else using the solution, and you're like, oh, it's the same thing with Gigabook. Like as it, it sends out notifications exactly. and reminders of appointments, people are like, oh, maybe I should do this at my business, and it's and and that and that's a strength. Um, you know, and then, then, you know, with that, when people come for your users or your business, one thing you should know and why you don't need to get panicked about it is literally the psychology of sales says that you, that the other product needs to usually be three times better or three times cheaper, or people just don't even move on. And we're talking about, a we're not talking about with Linktree or even like Gigabook, like Gigabook used to be eight bucks a month. It's now up to 15. Um, but you know, one of those things is like, there's a level of like, Hey, do I really want to switch for that? So it's like, yeah. So, and and then, and then you meant like, as you mentioned, so, so like for, for me with Gigabook and I watch Calendly, like go worldwide, become a billion dollar company, which I, I openly admit that. I had a chance to do freemium and I was like, that was before that was like, everyone was doing it. And I was like, why would we want to give this away? Oh, that's why. Um, yeah. So, but with some of that, you know, it's like you said, it's like people see it and they get it and it becomes a, a, a brand. Now I went to a top 10 business school for a while before I dropped out and started a business, but you know, they teach you in business school that when your brand becomes the name, I'll give you an example. Is it, tissue paper or is it Kleenex? Right? Because you could say, give me a Kleenex. Now, I don't really agree with it. But in business school, they teach you when that occurs, then that's actually not a great thing. Because people then begin to use other things. Is it really Kleenex brand? Or you just say Kleenex? So like, I don't know if that's, you know, it's something you ever talk about. I don't think that's maybe as applicable. But it's the same thing with like a Xerox. Hey, let me make a Xerox of it or whatever. And it's like, there's 10 million, you know, copiers or whatever, but. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're, when your brand becomes a verb, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really great sign that there's market traction, but oh, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that stickiness is going to be there. If, if, you know, uh, if, if competitors are going to outpace you and we see this time and time again, when you, when you are complacent, you know, social media for a long time was associated with, Hey, going to go on Facebook. And now you see it's not just Facebook, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wide array of platforms, right? And so I think it's, um, while it's a great signal, I don't know if it would stand the test of time. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been known to, to engage in 
um, uh, verbiage that says, you know, you get, so we, we've invested, my business partner and I have both invested either together through full scale or individually and a, a whole lot of different businesses. And, you know, we get people that show up and they're like, I don't have, there's nobody doing this. And I think at this point, I'm like, okay, so in 2022, if no one's figured out that there's a market for this, is there really a market for it? Either that or that person just doesn't have any clue that, by the way, most of the time when that occurs, it takes me less than three minutes to find not only that there are other people doing, but there's quite a few other people doing it. So, yeah, you never know. Um, so one of the things that I ran into with Gigabook was I found that uh, that it was hard to get um, investors or other people interested in things that cost eight bucks a month. Um, you know, cause like the, when the world of venture capital, at least here in the States is so obsessed with the B2B, the enterprise, like we need it to be worth a $10 million in account and have it be sticky for a hundred years. And like, does, does, does the price point, like how, how does that affect your, your future outlook with things or investor conversations or growth or any of that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And this is probably, Matt, where I, I wonder if we're going to have a difference of opinions, a respectful difference of opinions. And, you know, when I look at businesses out there, the things, especially SaaS businesses, and this isn't, um, you know, advice uh, for, for, for non-SaaS businesses, uh, but what I often tell founders is your first order of business is to capture users. Do not focus on revenue. If you are focusing on revenue, you are doing the wrong thing. You are going to hit a ceiling incredibly fast. If you are focusing on, you know, think about this as when you start off, think about this as a land grab opportunity. Get customers using your product. Keep adding value into your product. Make your product, you know, Make your product so valuable, so sticky that your customers don't want to, you know, um, don't want to leave it. And, you know, I fall for this trick every time that, you know, I'll, I, I use products on one. Um, I'll download an app on my iPad and then I will come to my laptop and say, hey, oh, where's that app? Oh, you won't let me sync across multiple devices. All right, I'll pay for it because I got the value. But if you made me pay for that app on my iPad, to be honest with you, I I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have even converted to a user. So if founders out there, it's land grab. Focus on monetization through either later or through different channels or by adding value-added capabilities that make the product meaningful for your for your customers. Right. So um, yeah, revenue. Don't even think about it in the first couple of years. I'll I'll be as bold as to as 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 you know I'll go I'll go bold and and say that. That that's tough. To, that's a tough pill to swallow for someone that's writing their own checks. Yeah. You know, and I'm and by the way, I don't disagree with you because like I just literally laid out how I. So I remember when Calendly came out, like when it was brand new, and like so was Gigabook, and we did similar things and. And you know I and I made that mistake, and you know I I don't I I. I 
the, the thing we love about this show is we, uh, we wear our faults like badges on many days and you know what happens and you learn from it. And, um, you know, that user adoption is such a, a key and you see that being such a, a big part of so many early stage things. Uh, you do gotta, you got, you have to be prepared to answer the question of when and how. Though, like, when and how are you going to actually monetize this? You look at, at, at like, so, uh, you know, a year ago, Clubhouse, the Clubhouse yeah. app, and it's uh, was, was really like, uh, oh, my God, those guys did a great job of, of creating hype, you know, for a, for a one device app meaning like it was only on iOS. They did a great job of the, like, I even did a TikTok video at one point. It was like begging for a, a you know, the, the, hey, people were like, Hey man, can I get that clubhouse invite? It was like, you know, it's like a crackhead or something, you know, just give me, just give me one invite, man. I'll pay you back next week. And, 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 you know, but they did a great job, but you look at some of these things and the question I was, I was, and I, by the way, I don't have any plus or minus on clubhouse. It's just a good example. Cause a lot of people have, familiar with it, but how are you going to monetize it? Like, what's your plan? Where do the ads come in? Where you do something? And, and, you know, and with that, I kind of, and sorry, people at clubhouse, if you're listening, but now all of a sudden I see the rest of the markets. I can do spaces on Twitter. I could do similar things on Facebook. And these are, these are like, that's like, uh, that's like Tanzania trying to declare war on the U S it's not, you know, it's like, it's, you're just going to get bowled over, you know, you don't have, you don't stand a chance on some levels. So you got to be able to figure out when you're going to monetize it. You got to make sure you're properly resourced because man, it comes into a whole lot of other stuff. Well, so here we are 40 minutes into this, which is usually you know, where I let everybody know that I end my episodes of Startup Hustle with the Founders Freestyle. Before I get into that, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale. Go to fullscale.io. You're probably having a hard time finding great software developers. Our average developer has eight years of experience. It's really what we specialize in. We help a lot of businesses just like your scale teams. Look, you need you need the resources to get it done and you need to be able to afford them. That's what we help with. So and I mentioned that my episodes, I'm not the only, I'm not the only host of the show, Zach. I, you know, we, I was at one point, my business partner, and we turned this into a network. So you can check out the weekly episodes by marknology.com founder, Andrew Morgans. He talks all about Amazon and e-commerce and also join the weekly episode with Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, who talks about many of the things that I am not brave enough to discuss in open forums. So, you know, that's, I, I thank her for everything that she does. Now with the Founders Freestyle, I like to give a guess. I know that you are, are technically the founder, so we will treat this slightly different, but I just like to give my guests an opportunity, well, let's say the guest freestyle, I like to give you an opportunity to, um, you know, like we can revisit our conversation for a minute. We covered a lot of stuff. This was a lot of fun, by the way. I really enjoyed this. Uh, uh, you you uh, converse more like a founder than a CTO, by the way. <laughs> Because uh, I hear a lot of the lessons is it's clear that you've been around and seen the ups and downs. But what from our conversation uh, really stands out as some key points or is there anything else that you wanted to add or say that we just didn't get to? You know, um, <clears throat> it's, it's really the point around, um, I guess the one thing that we didn't talk about is in the early days, it's so important to have that conviction around the problem that you are solving, especially as a startup founder, and, you know, have that conviction and have that belief. But one of the things that I'll tie into this, you know, because I, I 
pride myself sometimes on, on being a system thinker is, is have, you know, uh, partition that out, partition out your goals a little bit. So uh, maybe it's a bit, bit of a recency bias, especially, you know, carrying on from that monetization conversation, but have a goal to how you're, you know, have a line of sight uh, to how you're going to monetize. You know, I'll throw a little bit of McKinsey uh, knowledge in here, which is, you know, have your horizon one, horizon two, and horizon three goals. And monetization can sit in horizon three. While your horizon one and two is really focused on capturing users, getting value out there. So, um, you know, that, that would be my words of wisdom as we as we wrap this up, Matt. But, you know, um, for, for everybody listening, check out Linktree if you haven't yet. Uh, we definitely want to see you on the platform uh, and go capture your audience. Linktree is, uh, is, is exactly what uh, the, is the platform that's going to help you do that. Yeah, there's a link for that in the show notes. Once again, with me today, Zach Islam, the CTO of Linktree. Um, you know, I don't do this often, but I, I throw an endorsement out there. I've really enjoyed using Linktree. Uh, I, I have been found in the office saying, this is the best eight bucks we spend every month, people. Um, so, And I really don't throw out the endorsement uh, very often. So, you know, it sol- really does solve a lot of problems and, and it can help you uh, really direct people to, so you look at like the maximization of an ad click, which theoretically is meant to land in one location. If you land on something like a link tree, you can actually get people that are going to poke around and go to all your different properties to kind of go in and back. And, and you know, I, I think it's a really cool solution. You know, for today's conversation, some of the things that stood out was, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I do like, visiting the conversation of technical debt, because I think a lot of people that are building tech platforms lay down in bed at night and stare at the ceiling and think, am I the only one that has this problem? No, you're not. We all do. It's like even the most sophisticated, biggest mega corpse you're going to find that built software from the day software existed. They have technical debt and it's the way that it goes. You do want to try to minimize it when and where you can. And you also don't want to try to learn how to not get stuck on certain things because, you know, there's so many famous founders, inventors, and honestly, some of the world's richest people that'll say, if you don't look back at your very first releases or some past releases with absolute terror and say, man, I can't believe we released that, then you hung on to it for too long. You know, there's a simple phrase, just ship it. And, you know, the thing is, is if it works, I don't care if it's held together with duct tape, popsicle sticks and everything else, get it out there. Cause that user feedback is way more important than anything else. Now, another thing, and I, and I wanted to mention this earlier, when it comes to your competition or whenever you're selling stuff, I want to remind everyone and people that are listening, no, they know I'm going to go into FAB features, advantages, and benefits. The F and the A are secondary. People care about the benefits that whatever you built provide them. So if you find yourself talking about what you do, like the benefits of Linktree or, uh, well, like I, we've mentioned a whole bunch of them, maximizing your cost per click, making sure people can find the right channel, you know, uh, being able to track what they're doing and going through and, you know, a lot of different stuff. Be focused on that because it's, it's benefits that people buy. Features that don't explain the advantages that they have over competitive products or uh, anything else, they fall short. They fall short. And, you know, like I'm not going to bore everyone with, well, you know what? I went to buy a camera. I had some kid telling me 10,000 benefits and I didn't buy it because I was like, 
uh, telling me 10,000 features of the camera. I went back to the same store like two weeks later and the guy was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want my wife to quit complaining about the quality of our family photos at big events. He goes, come over here. You want this. And I said, will this take clear professional photos? He said, yes. And I said, wrap it up. I spent 1500 bucks in like three minutes because I cared about the benefits. I didn't care about the, I don't know, man, that's talking way over my head. I'm not a photographer. I'm never going to be one. So, you know, anyway, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, once again, go to, go to Linktree. There's a link links in the show notes. Uh, you'll find so many of our show notes with the Linktree. And um, so hopefully you've already gone there, but yeah, creator's dream come true. Zach, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.